Welcome into the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. I'm joined by my co-host Tyler Big Irby Urbach. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How you folks doing? Hopefully they're doing better than us. We're out here in this five <laughs> inches of snow. But I, know, I like anyway. how I open the podcast with a rhetorical question, like they can fucking answer back. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, we are the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast. We are missing one co-host today, uh, Jimbo James Dreer. He's on vacation, dipped down to Arizona, enjoying the warm weather without us. And the free gambling. And Yeah, right, using FanDuel, which we're not allowed to in the beautiful state of Washington up in the Pacific Northwest, where we are. But anyways, we are the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast. This is our week 18 late games matchups episode where we'll go through every single late game matchup and give you our start sits for each game. Before we dive into that, um, you can check us out on social media on Twitter. That's our only social media right now at the FF Fathers. Uh, we'll be uploading content on there throughout the offseason. Uh, we plan on doing offseason content as far as like maybe some dynasty stuff, just some fun episodes to have some fun. Um, Keep you engaged throughout the offseason. Keep you at least keep you informed, you know, in a, in a fun way with all like the, you know, six months of the offseason that we have to deal with. So you can catch us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Just a quick background on us. This is our first year doing the podcast. This is a growing podcast. So if you like what we're doing, stick with us. It's only going to get better from here. Um, between the three of us, we have 40 plus years of fantasy football experience, championships under the belts. Um, and we, we just like how each of us approaches the game. So we all came together and decided we should uh, start a fantasy football podcast because we're all about it. We care too much about it. So, I mean, why <laughs> not just record the conversations that we have together anyways? We can't help but talk fantasy football anytime we're together. Yeah, that's a fact. Uh, off season, mid season, two o'clock in the morning when we're wasted, doesn't matter. <laughs> fantasy yeah. football is always on the mind. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you like what we're doing, stick with us. It's only going to get better from here. And we plan on going hard next year, hopefully getting some video content out, getting onto YouTube and um, maybe putting out rankings every week. Who knows? We're definitely going to be growing next year. So if you like us now, you'll like us even more. So just stick with us and we appreciate you listening. But anyways, let's just dive into the late games, right? So there are the late games. Um, the first late game we're going to go over is the Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Over-under is 48 points. And the Cardinals are six and a half point favorites right now. At least as of Wednesday at that point. These odds yeah. are a little old, but they probably haven't shifted much. So definitely uh, look at those odds if you want an updated version of those. But anyways, um, it seems like the Seahawks offense has got a little bit of a groove going over the last few weeks. So I I'm curious, you know, what, what should we expect going up against the Cardinals? Divisional matchup, tougher defense. You know, I mean, I think Rashad Penny, we'd both agree at this point, he's a must start, right? He's been on fire. He probably won people some championships last week. Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple like really unsung guys like continued their their late game or late season, uh, you know, surges. Rashad Penny being one of them. Um, I mentioned in the last episode, but I had to bring up Amon Ross St. Brown. There's a very good chance that somehow you had them both in your team. You won your league. Like, oh, yeah. no doubt about it, you probably did. If you were able to start both of them last week in the championship game, you probably won because they both had monster games. Exactly. And if you were listening a few weeks ago, we were telling you, pick up that boy Penny. You know, he was yeah. there. I, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to see him doing good. But so obviously Rashad Penny is a must start. And 
let's talk about the receivers then. So Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, it, it seems like they're kind of trading who's having the good week. So yeah. who do you think it's going to be? I don't know. Because the problem is that it's not like they're trading him like one one week is good, one week's bad. Like, like you know, just back and forth every week. It's like DK has a good game and then two weeks in a row of Tyler Lockett and then DK went off again last week. So it's hard to say who's going to. Um, one of them will. I kind of have a feeling that you can actually play both of them this week. I think I have a, I have a feeling that they're both going to have good games. Um, I can see them both scoring, which is huge. And this is all solely based off of Rashad Penny. Um, the second that he started to get going, that's when the offense started to open up. Because when he's such a threat to run, the pa- the uh, play action passing game opens up immensely and that's what Russell Wilson is best at is the play action pass when you can give him a little bit of extra time because you're freezing the defensive line and the blitzing linebackers for him to dice up the defense and that's what we're gonna see and Arizona likes to play a more aggressive style of defense and when they have to take that extra half a step or half second longer to react because the the threat of Rashad Penny's there then you're gonna open up the passing game and I think you can expect Lockett and DK to have good games. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, the over-under is at 48 points, which is one of the highest over-unders of the week. So obviously, you know, Vegas is expecting a pretty high-scoring game here, which gives Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you know, more opportunities to score, right? So yeah. I, I'm, I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you had to choose between two, though, between Lockett and Metcalf, who do you like more? Oof, man. It's, it's tough. Um, I'm going to... This is just a thing. I'm going to go with DK. I think I'm going to go with DK having back-to-back big games because DK wants to sign an extension this offseason. Um, it's his first year you know, eligible to sign, to sign a new contract. He's not a free agent, but it's you know with the rookie deal, whatever. So I think he's going to show the team, like, this is why I want an extension and this is why I want to stay, and he's going to go off. Yeah, I'm totally with you. If I had to choose between them, I'd go with Metcalf also. Um, and besides what you said, he just seems to be, um, just, just a little hotter at the moment for sure. Um, so, I mean, he had three touchdowns thrown to him last week from Russell Wilson, you know, and speaking of Russell Wilson, he, you know, he threw four touchdowns total, three of those to DK Metcalf. And that four touchdown game is definitely his best game since he injured his finger. Um, do you like him against the Cardinals? I do. I, I do too. I mean, I guess I just gave that long explanation as to why. The offense has been doing better, and I think you know that is enough evidence to show why Russell Wilson should be played this week. Oh, yeah, definitely, yep. Uh, just a little sneak peek. Russell Wilson's going to get brought up at the end of this episode. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But anyways, yeah, so yeah, we definitely like rest against the Cardinals. Um, what about Gerald Everett? You know, the, the offense seems to be clicking a little bit more, and like you're saying, Rashad Penny's opening things up. Does that make him streamable? Um. That's where it gets tougher for me, um, just because it's been inconsistent. I know he was, you know, prior to last week, he had a couple games in a row where he was the leading pass catcher for the team. But it's super hard to think that's going to continue to happen. I know the offense is getting better, but Arizona's also been really good against tight ends um, on the year. They're the third best, uh, or I'm sorry, in the last month, they're the third best defense against tight ends, only giving up six points a week. And then on the year, they're like basically the same, honestly, they're giving up 7.6 points per game on the year. So they've been consistently good all year against tight ends. And that doesn't bode great for Gerald Everett. That's a great point, And I would agree with you. 
after hearing those stats. I'm not liking Gerald Everett either. So, I mean, that that pretty much wraps up the Seahawks. You know, we, we feel pretty good about most of the offense besides Gerald Everett. Yep. So let's talk about the Cardinals then. Um, Chase Edmonds has been ruled out with his rib injury, and James Conner is still questionable. So, I mean, if James Conner doesn't play, that makes Eno Benjamin and Jonathan Ward the next men up. Um, just the little bit that I saw from Eno Benjamin earlier in the year, I'm not impressed. So if Edmund or if Connor ends up being out, would you start Eno Benjamin against the Seahawks? No, honestly, I mean, <laughs> I think I think he had one game where he was the main guy because they were both down earlier in the year. Uh, I'm just gonna double check that real quick, but like he wasn't very good. No, um, okay, he never had like a guy as a bean lead back. But when Chase Edmund first went down, we thought Eno Benjamin would come in and still give us like that fifty fifty backfield that. Uh, Edmonds had with James Conner, and that did not happen at all. It became solely James Conner's backfield, and he, you know, took huge advantage of that. If James Conner is in, then like he's an obvious play, but I don't think Eno Benjamin is the guy who's gonna be able to come in and and win you a game. Um, he just hasn't shown that he's good enough on the season. He's averaging less than four yards a carry on his limited touches as it is. So that's just. Yeah. It's too. It's too tough. He's getting no receiving work either when he is in the field. You know, Benjamin, and that's yeah. that's one area that the Seahawks are really vulnerable is receiving running backs. So I, I don't like you know Benjamin this week. Hopefully, James Conner will play though because he, he seems like he has a good chance to do something against the Hawks. I mean, so what about Jonathan Ward? Do you know anything about this man? I'll be honest, I don't. Nope, never heard about him. Maybe he's a ward of the state. I have no idea, man. I've never heard this dude. <laughs> Well, you know, just because I don't know him, I like him more than Eno, just because I know what I know about Eno. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, definitely avoid Eno Benjamin is how we both feel about that. So, well, let's move on to the pass catchers then. I mean, it looks like Christian Kirk, he cemented himself as a lead wide receiver ever since DeAndre Hopkins has gone out. And Zach Ertz has been a must start, you know, the last month, getting 10 plus targets a game or averaging 10 yard or averaging 10 targets per game. So do you like Christian Kirk and Zach Ertz this week? Yeah, I mean, Zach Ertz at this point is a must-start week in and week out. He's just, it's been proven. Uh, I don't know what happened to him in Philadelphia and why he fell off the map. Maybe it was just a bad mixture between him and the coaches or whatever it may have been. I don't know. But, I mean, he went to Arizona and immediately looked like the Zach Ertz that was a top three tight end just a few seasons ago. Uh, So he's a must-start, easy done. And then, yeah, I think, with D-Hop out, Christian Kirk is a, is still a must-start. He gets more consistent looks from from Kyler Murray more than Rondell Moore is, more than A.J. Green is. Um, and not to mention, he's also getting more of the deep looks, too, which is also huge. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, Zach Ertz, he, he's, he's been nice. It's nice to see him finally get some work, you know. And like, like I said, this over-under is 48 points, right? So Christian Kirk should get some good, good amount of usage, some good looks, and... But with that being said, I mean, Kyler Murray's must start, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, even I know he hasn't been as good recently. It's still Kyler Murray. He still has the potential to, to do, you know, crazy, crazy things. So, I mean, it's just, it, it's too easy. Yep, yep, I'm with you on that one. So, I mean, that pretty much wraps up the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Let's move on to the Saints playing at Atlanta versus the Falcons. The over-under is 40 points, and the Saints are four-and-a-half-point favorites. And 
we've talked about Kyle Pitts a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and we've beaten him down a lot in this podcast. So I, we do have to admit that. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely have. I mean, I mean, the numbers are nice, right? Like he's a he's could potentially. Um, did he pass Mike Ditka or he just joined him as the only rookie tight ends to pass a thousand yards? He joined him. I, I don't I can't remember what the record is. Uh he's not far off of it, but yeah, he's the only he's the second rookie tight end, tight end to ever uh surpass a thousand yards. Joining Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka did this sixty years ago in nineteen sixty one. So that's saying a hell of a lot. Think about how many like Hall of Fame tight tight ends came through the league in that time frame. Uh that includes Tony Gonzalez and uh, and like Antonio Gates, two of the best to ever do it, and who were great from the very beginnings of their career. They didn't have to like kind of roll into it and get like you know speed up to the NFL game. They came in and were great and still didn't put up those kind of numbers. So it says a lot to how good he really is, especially when he's had games where you thought he completely disappeared. But it's there, the talent's there, and so I wanted to give him props for that because I feel like we've given him quite the ride most of this season. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I saw an interesting um, graphic comparing like other receivers rookie season since he's technically kind of a receiver. Um, yeah. I mean, they line him up like that. But I saw a graphic comparing him to like, um, I can't remember the names, but four other very good rookie receiver seasons. And he he's up there as far as like yards per target and things like that. So he's definitely productive. It's just he's, he's so inconsistent that it's been unfortunate. But I mean, it, it's sky's the limit for him, right? Yeah, I mean, and honestly, his in- inconsistency is probably more of a product of the offense as a whole, not him. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, let's just move on to the real news for Kyle Pitts this week. <laughs> he is not <laughs> going, uh, he's probably not going to suit up for the game this weekend. because He's been dealing with a hamstring injury that, you know, he uh, got last week. He missed practice Wednesday, was limited on Thursday, and his status is officially questionable for the game. He personally uh, told the media that he feels good and believes he'll be able to play. But if he doesn't play, Hayden Hurst is going to be the backup. But if Pitts is in, obviously must start, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he has to be. But if he's not in, would you start Hayden Hurst? Oh, man. That... I don't know, man. That's so hard because, like, Kyle Pitts' production has been, you know, up and down for most of the year. And Hayden Hurst has shown he can be a really good tight end if he gets his chances. But, like, how much of, like, his chances is he really going to get in an offense he's barely played in this year? Um, I'm going to go elsewhere, hoping, because, like, there aren't any other, like, big tight end names that are going to be out this week besides Kyle Pitts. So you probably have a better option to go with. But if you're in a bind, fuck it. Throw throw Hayden Hurst in there. (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely like to choose a different tight end if Pitts is out, just because Hayden Hurst isn't the same. He doesn't have the same like player profile as Pitts, right? So, I mean, with if Pitts put, is putting up like subpar numbers, which is kind of crazy to say, but with his usage, right, um, then Hayden Hurst is probably going to put up even less. So, I would definitely avoid Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like Hayden Hurst has shown he can be a decent pass catcher in the league. Um, you know, he showed it a little bit last year in Atlanta when his first year there, he showed glimpses of glimpses of it when he was in Baltimore. So I think there's a chance, but I think I'm not going to bet on it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I would much rather, uh, stream somebody else, 
But I mean, tight ends, it, it's so hit or miss, man. I mean, that's just uh, throw a dart at that one for sure. Yeah. But let's uh let's talk about Cordell Patterson. Obviously, one of the greatest stories of the year. But let's just be honest, he might have carried you to the playoffs and then lost you the playoffs. Yeah. You know, three straight games with less than eight points. And now they're playing the Saints defense, which has been great against running backs all season. I'm avoiding Cordell Patterson. Are you doing the same? Yeah, I think he has to be sat this week. It's just, it's been rough, man. Like, there's no other way of putting it. It just has been. Um, the last few weeks have been just bad. I mean, it's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, less than eight points, and now he's playing a great defense. Um, and he's not, he's getting less work in the passing game than he was before. It just doesn't seem like he's part of this offense really anymore. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's it's another like, confusing team. It's like what what the hell are these guys doing? You know, like yeah. like the Browns giving Nick Chubb only sixteen carries. The Falcons not letting Cordero just do his thing. I just it, it, it's crazy to me. Yeah, but, so, no, yeah. Right. I mean, you you brought up a good point. I think it was last week with Cordell Patterson when we started when we saw this trend starting to come along where he was playing so poorly. Is that like? He's gotten more production or more usage this year than he ever has in his career, almost combined, really, like his first, you know, six years in the league or whatever it's been. And like he could just be wearing down. That's a that's a very likely answer that could be the reason why his production's gone so far down. You know, like he kind of fell off a cliff, really. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I mean, thank you for the. The extra love on my take, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it does seem likely, right? Because he, he never got that many touches his whole career. Now he's getting a bunch of touches. Maybe his body's not used to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Either way, we're, we're not playing him. So you should not. Um, speaking of people you're not playing on the Falcons, we're not playing Russell Gage, right? I mean, he's been so inconsistent this year. Last couple of weeks, been total duds. The offense is really has been a dud. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had he had a, that few stretches or few games there uh, recently that were like, hey, he's you know finally he's he's picking up where we thought he would when Calvin Ridley you know stepped away, and now he's falling on his face too. So yeah, you're not starting Russell Gage. Yeah, so basically, totally what we're saying it. is that you're starting Kyle Pitts and you're not even considering anybody else. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If Kyle Pitts even freaking plays, right? But we'll see. Yeah, it's so true. that wraps up the Falcons' horrible situation. But the Saints' situation really isn't that much better. The only sure starts that we have in mind would be Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, right? Yeah, I mean, which has been the case most of the year. And he, actually, it was really just Kamara for most of the year. So, yeah, but Taysom Hill has proven to have a um, a pretty decent floor, right? You know, he did have a 20-point floor for a couple weeks. I'm not sure if he's uh, kept yeah. that up late. I mean, the only reason Taysom Hill wasn't a sure thing all year is because he didn't play most of the year. You know, he was hurt a lot. So that's why he was only Kamara for a long time. Right. Well, would you, since Taysom Hill is playing, would you start Marquez Callaway? Because it seems like they kind of got a little bit of chemistry going on. Because his uh, Callaway's numbers have gone up with Hill at quarterback. I mean, yes and no. Uh, Hill's been the starting quarterback for, what, five, at least five weeks now. I know he missed another game, but realistically, like, really, he's only had, Callaway's only had two good games of even, uh, 
not just production, but also usage. Uh, in the last three weeks, he's had two games with at least nine targets, and those were good games. Everything else, dating all the way back until uh, like the very beginning of the year, was has been just below uh, like six targets was his max. You have to go all the way back to week five against Washington. Last time he had eight targets in the game before, besides uh, before the last three weeks. So uh, the the production or his attempts just aren't there. You know, there's not enough usage for him for to be a relevant fantasy uh, player right now. Yeah, I, I could see why you feel that way. Honestly, I would probably put him at like a, a borderline flex for me just because um, I'm going off of like usage recently. I know all season is definitely looks pretty sad, but you know, since you know, Taysom Hill in the last five games has been, I don't know, the chemistry has been growing. Last, last three games, 16 catches, 255 yards on 24 targets, no touchdowns. I mean, if he scores a touchdown or two there, it definitely elevates him. So I think he has an opportunity to score at least get to double digit points, which would be like borderline flex for me. Definitely a huge toss up though. Who knows? I wouldn't be very comfortable doing it. Right. I guess if you're in a pinch. Yeah. But I mean, the usage lately is, is, is promising to see, but yeah, I mean, if you're in a pinch, Marquez Callaway is borderline worthy of a flex play. I would say but that yeah. pretty much wraps up that little dog doo doo game. Let's move on to the next one. We got the New York Jets. They are at Buffalo playing the Bills. The over-under is 41 points, and the Bills are 16-point favorites. This has to be the <laughs> biggest spread of the week, I think, because the last one was 15 and a half. It might be the biggest spread of the season. 16 is wild. I mean, we're talking two-plus scores, right? Or two scores and two two-point conversions. That's yeah, wild. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, it's so weird. I know, like, little tangent here here the nfl has like is built for parity but i feel in the last year or two we've seen a much bigger difference between like the good teams and the poor teams in the league there's we're losing kind of that the middle class of like teams are that are they're they're good they're not great but they're not terrible either i feel like we're losing the middle class we just have like really good teams and really bad teams Yep, but honestly, I wouldn't really throw the Jets into like that really bad category. I don't know why. They, I got a soft spot for the Jets this year, man. They, they showed the Oh no, 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 no. They're um, I like them though. I think they're uh, I think they're on the upswing for All sure. Right. Tra- Tra- Trey's got the Jets in the lower middle class. Then, yeah, exactly. You know, they just got a job at McDonald's. All right, working full time, <laughs> lower middle class, dollar menu. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, um. <laughs> Let's just dive into the Jets side of the ball here real quick. So it looks like Michael Carter's good to go. He was in concussion protocol all week, but Michael Carter's good to go. And Tevin Coleman also returned to practice. He was on the COVID list before that. Um, last week, they were both out, and Ty Johnson um, scored while he was filling in for him. He did okay. Really, the only person I like out of these three guys would be Michael Carter. He's the most promising out of all of them. His usage seems a little low, though. But I think Michael Carter is the best out of these three. And it's what's interesting is Buffalo hasn't been very good against the run game lately. They've allowed 4.5 plus yards per carry in five of their last seven games. You know, and that includes that three touchdown performance. The New England running backs pulled off on them. You know, running backs have been going crazy over the Bills the last, uh, you know, two months, basically. So would you start Michael Carter? 
Uh, yeah, actually, I think you can, um, which is seems bizarre to say the way that the Bills started the season. I mean, just kind of put a little bit of perspective in that for you to see how badly the they really have been. Over the last month, they've been giving up over 25 points a game to running backs, whereas if you average that over the course of the season, it's only about 22. Um, so like that just shows how bad like the last three weeks have actually been to adjust their average by that much um, from where they were at the beginning of the year when they were you know a top three defense uh, against running backs. Yeah, I mean, I'm like at Michael Carter too, just because it seems like they're kind of falling apart a little bit in the run game. And I, I, I look at a bunch of like kind of deep analytics. You know, we see a bunch of all this stuff on Twitter, right? And Michael Carter, as far as like deep analytics go, as far as you know, um, tackles broken, um, yards after contact, Michael Carter's up there. He's he's forcing some missed tackles and stuff like that. They're just not creating space for him. So I mean, if they can just do that for him, Michael Carter could be a great player especially next season. But yeah, so Michael Carter looks pretty good. Let's talk about the receiving game then. Um, Jameson Crowder was let's, limited in practice. Oh, my bad. Let's not talk saying? about the receiving game. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> That's how it. bad that is. Let's just, let's just bypass that because there's nobody worth playing. <laughs> I'll just say Braxton Barrios is on IR. Jameson Crowder was limited. We're probably not playing any of those guys. Buffalo's been shutting down receivers and quarterbacks all year. They're like the best defense against receivers and quarterbacks. So, yeah, I agree with you. We'll just skip over those guys. But if you're interested, <laughs> Braxton Berrios is on IR. Don't even think about him. And Buffalo is also top five against tight ends. So don't even think about um, – Hey, fun fact, without, lo- without looking up, can you even name the starting tight end for the Jets? Yeah, it'd take me longer than I want to, but it's um, – ah, no, I can't. Can you? It's, uh, looking at it, because I, I realized I didn't know who it was either. It's Tyler Croft. Yes. God. Yeah. See, I <laughs> I couldn't think of it, but either way. But um, so yeah, Tyler Croft. We're not playing him because Buffalo's top five against tight ends. So pretty much <laughs> on the Jets, we're playing Michael Carter, and that's it. They're not playing yep. Zach Wilson, right? No. All right. Yeah. Neither am I. So let's go to the Buffalo side then. It looks like Devin Singletary's finally taken over the backfield. You know, the last four games, he's averaging seventy plus percent of snaps. And his fellow running backs haven't even gotten more than 11% of snaps during that same four game stretch. So I think, you know, that makes him a must start against the Jets, who have been bottom of the barrel against the run all year. We all know this. So Devin Singletary is a must start, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know like, where this came from, but like over the last four weeks, I mean, the, the kid's averaging like 16 points a game. Like, out of nowhere, he just, like, all of a sudden, like, I don't know if it's just because, like, they finally gave him more snaps or if he's just seeing something that he wasn't seeing the previous couple years in his career. But, like, all of a sudden, like, dude's popping off. I mean, we'd have to look at their schedule, but, you know, with them being in Buffalo, a far north team, um, maybe it's maybe weather impacts, you know, making them throw the ball less and running the ball more. That might be an influence. Maybe, but but okay. Out of the four games, two against are against very good defenses in Tampa Bay and New England. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, Devin, Devin Singletary seems like he's on a roll, right? So I mean, yeah, you you can't sit him at this point. He's definitely a must start. So let's talk about the receivers on the Buffalo side then. So um, Stephon Diggs, he, he's been pretty quiet lately, but he did score twice in the last three games. 
Um, and really, uh, last week, Josh Allen just kind of had a horrible game. So n- no one did good. Knox, Beasley, none of those guys did. I mean, would you start any of these receivers versus the Jets? It, it seems like they're going to be, you know, as we're assuming they're going to be whooping that ass and taking the lead early, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I assume that I mean, you play Diggs because he's the one who's the most likely to get, like, sure looks, even if the game becomes a blowout. Um, but I think I'm fading everyone else. And, you know, the weird thing is, like, I, I was a Diggs owner. Or am a Diggs owner. I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> and, like, I felt like all year he just never – he never played as well as he has in the last couple in Buffalo. But then, like, I look at his overall stats on the season. He, re- he finished as receiver seven in PPR. That's crazy. It has to just be a product of being – with Josh Allen, right? I mean, man, he's been quiet, but yeah, that's that's crazy. He just finishes top ten it, like it's, that. Yeah, it's quiet, and what it is, it's it's just that he's having less like big blow up games this year as he has in the previous years, but his floor has been super consistent at like twelve points. Oh yeah, yeah. If you had Stefan Diggs in the flex this year, you were probably sitting pretty. That's yep. super consistent. All right, well, um, so you would start Stefan Diggs. Just because he has a nice floor, right? Exactly. Yeah. Even if they get up big, um, I still could see him having enough production in the first half or first three quarters to be to be worthwhile. Plus, the Bills are still playing something like like they there's playoff seating for them. Um, I believe the AFC East is actually still open. They can still win that too. So uh, they still have something to play for. Okay. Well, if they're if they're going hard, do you think? Dawson Knox is a must-start. The Jets have been horrible against tight ends all year, but I will bring up that the last time they played, the Jets held them held uh, Dawson Knox to just one catch. So, yeah, I mean that's that was also after his first game back after the injury. So maybe a little bit of that had to do with it. Um, the thing is that like, with Knox is that's kind of scary. Is that in the last few weeks his target share has really dipped. Um, whereas at one point in the year, even though he wasn't getting a ton of targets, he was really putting up, he was still putting up very good yardage and scoring. And that's kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, in the last three games, he has a total of 10 targets. So that's not very appealing by any means. Um, so you I don't think Dawson Knox, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think Knox is a must start, but. Uh, you probably don't. You also probably don't have a better option though either. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I I put him like really low, like a fringe starter for sure. You know. Right yeah, I think I probably put him around. Yeah, I think it's somewhere between like ten and twelve. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps up that game. Um, let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. They're playing in Los Angeles against the Rams. It's over under of 44 and a half points and the Rams are four and a half point favorites. This should be a pretty good game. I'm actually looking forward to just watching this one and see how it plays out. But coach Shanahan is not revealing who the starting quarterback is going to be. As we know, Jimmy G has got like that torn tendon hand injury going on. But reporters said that Jimmy G looks like his old self, even though he's been limited in practice. And I read that he was, was throwing the ball downfield pretty well with ease. I would just say whoever's starting, I'm avoiding them both, whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance. The Rams have been way too dominant against quarterbacks recently. I 
can't remember the exact stat off of the top of my head, but they've only allowed like one touchdown pass in the last like six weeks or something like that. They're <laughs> insane right now. Yeah. You know, the weird thing about Jimmy though, too, like I know that he's trying to play Shanahan's trying to play coy about it, but like it was just on Wednesday. They asked him after practice, like how it felt throwing with the thumb or how he felt after throwing the thumb. You know, it was like a you know, half hour, hour or whatever it is after practice. And Jimmy Garoppolo said not very good. Like he said that he was like his pain, his thumb was in quite a bit of pain actually, and he didn't feel like he wasn't feeling great at that point. So that doesn't lead me to believe that you know a couple days later he feels so much better to go out there and be able to play a game with it. That's a good point, but there might be some Jedi mind tricks, right? I mean, Coach Shanahan's playing them already. He won't tell you who's starting. That's true. He had us all thinking that he was going to draft uh, Mac Jones at number three, and it was Trey Lance all along, so. Yeah, see, Jedi mind tricks, but, I mean, either way, I mean, you agree with me, right? You're not going to, even if Jimmy G was starting, you're not going to play him. No, not at all. Right. So let's move on to the running back situation then. Elijah Mitchell was limited in practice with a knee injury. Looks like he is good to go now. He's off of the injury report. And even though he was injured last week, you know, limited in practice before last week's game, he was still the workhorse for San Francisco, running 21 times for 119 yards. He's a must start, right? Yeah, he he is the 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 backfield when he plays. That's what it comes down to. If he plays, he is the workhorse. That's not going to change this week. Yep, I totally agree. That's pretty much a that's a gimme right there. And, and then also Debo Samuel, George Kittle, they're must starts, right? Yeah, without question. What about Brandon Ayuk, though? He's been flirting with it, like flirting with being considered, but I still think he's too inconsistent. I uh, know. I would like to agree with you just because, like, I've with Ayuk, I think you and I have been on the same page all year, and James has been on the other side. But, man, I mean, if you look at his stat line over a pretty large time period, honestly, like, you go back to their last, their first game against Arizona. I mean, over the last nine weeks, right? He's had six really good games or six very solid games and three poor ones. So that means it's like a 75% shot that, uh, or a 66% shot that he has a, has a good game. And like, that's not as inconsistent as I think sometimes we make it out to be. So, ah, you know what? I'm at this. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I'm saying it all year. I would roll with Brandon Ayuk this week. Wow, it only took 18 weeks. I know <laughs> for you to roll. And James was even here to push me over the edge this time. Oh man, I mean, yeah, we've talked about Ayuk. The whole the whole story this year has been like he's getting a great snap percentage. It's just the usage is inconsistent or can be. Yeah, so but I, I'm with you. I think he is like a borderline flex this week. Definitely. The Rams are um, a solid defense, but I think, you know, with the O-runner being 44 and a half, there'll be a decent amount of points scored. Hopefully he gets his hand in, into something there. But so that, that pretty much wraps up the 49ers side. Let's move on to the Rams. And it looks like Cam Akers is finally ready to go. And according to Coach McVay, he's been flying around in practice full speed, looking pretty good. But in the meantime, you know, while they while he's been out, Shorty Michelle's been great playing, you know, mostly playing 90 plus percent of the snaps, 
having great games, really consistent. I mean, do you think Akers is going to eat into Sony Michelle's workload? Not significantly. If Cam Akers plays, we have to remember this is his first game back since tearing his Achilles. Coach didn't say all the hell they want about how they look in practice. That's a major injury to come back from that not many guys can at a you know high level. Especially I saw Kobe cool. shoot two free throws after an Achilles injury. Okay. Yeah, uh, was he cutting and jumping, and and then I'm did kidding. you see him? <laughs> then you know he walked off the foot off the court without moving his foot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm totally kidding. I know, I know, but like, okay, but you know, if we brought basketball, like, let's let's look at Kevin Durant, right? He tears his Achilles, misses the entire next season, which gave him enough time to really heal, and so he came back last year and looked like he never, like he might even even been, been better, right? Cam Akers tore his Achilles in the off season. It hasn't even been a full year since he since he tore his Achilles, um, not a calendar year, nothing. So, I mean, that's that's just not something I'm thinking he's going to be able to just come back from uh, and and do. I mean, it's not like it was in the summer. I can't remember. I think it was like right before uh, training camp started. So I think it was like in July. So we're talking about it's only January. We're talking about eight months and he's come back from from a Achilles tear. I don't think so, right. bud. I don't think yeah, so. I almost like don't believe him. It's a, I got a weird little theory, conspiracy theory. You know, Coach Shanahan's playing them Jedi mind tricks, right? You know, you got these young, talented coaches. Well, Sean McVay on the other side, you know, another young, talented coach. It's like, well, I'll play some mind tricks too. My guy tore his Achilles and he's ready to go full <laughs> speed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll play these tricks too. But yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Cam Akers, I. I'm just not sold. There's no way. Even if he does suit up, I don't, there's no way he actually makes an impact and takes away work from Sony Michelle in an impactful way. Right. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. It just there's no. I can't. I, yeah, it's so unfathomable. If he does, if he comes up and looks like explosive as hell, then everybody is going to go figure out who did his surgery and fig and figure out what he did differently than everyone else is doing in surgery. Cause there's no way he should be back this quickly and be explosive. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, if he does it, shit, we'll see. But it sounds like we're both like a hundred percent convinced this is not going to happen, but let's, yeah. let's see though. Right. <laughs> so um, on the receiving end though, Cooper cup is obvious number one receiver on the year, blah, 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 whatever. Eastern <laughs> Washington, you know, right down the alley from where we're hanging out, you know, he was playing out of Roos field, the red field anyways. Yep. Cooper Cup's obvious, but on the other uh, side of the field, OBJ, Odo Beckham Jr., he's got four touchdowns in the last five games, and he's but he only broke double digits in three of those games. You, you think he's worth a start in this like pretty competitive matchup? Honestly, no. I, they're looking at him a ton in the red zone, which is great, but um, I mean, he's not getting a whole lot of the other looks. Which is crazy. Like in the three games he scored touchdowns, he's only averaging about thirteen points in those games. That's just not. That means that like your entire production is coming from that touchdown, which is yeah. just not something you want to bank on. Um, and I, it's not something I want to rely on. You know, in my championship game. Same here, but with his touchdown, like. It uh, seems like he's getting more touchdowns lately. I would put him like borderline flex just because, you know, like just because he might be able to score a touchdown. 
I would still start Van Jefferson over Odell Beckham. Really? Yeah. Why do you say that? Just because of um, he has more targets? Yeah, I think his overall usage is just better. Um, and I know with Odell's emergence that Van Jefferson has actually started to lose some targets because of it, which is ex- which is you know explainable. But I think overall Van Jefferson still just fits this offense a little better. So I mean that's just a, 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 maybe it's just a gut thing, um, but it's just the way the way I'm kind of feeling it. It would make sense, you know. He's been there longer, um, and he's had Stafford throwing him the ball longer in practice and in games. You know, so it would make sense that he definitely has a little bit more chemistry going. What about your boy Tyler Igby? You know, nine <laughs> targets last week, six catches, 69 yards. That puts together a solid, what, 9.9 point performance in a half point yeah. PPR league. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't let me down last week. I, you know, I finally, I thought I was going to, I was getting done with him for good. I just couldn't let him go. I had to roll with him one more time. Uh, but it was against a really good matchup in, in the Ravens. And that's not what this is. The Niners are the fifth best defense against tight ends on the year, only giving up a little more than eight points per game. Um, I just Higby's been too inconsistent this year for me to roll with him again. Unfortunately, my boy is staying on the bench. Man, uh, if you're benching him, I'm benching him because I mean you're the, you're the Tyler Higby expert on the podcast. <laughs> All right, you, <laughs> the amount of times you said his name, I'm gonna start a bingo chart next year. Every time you say Tyler Higby, I'm just gonna like. Honestly, put his name all over the bingo chart. So much of it too, though, was like I thought he was gonna be better than he was. Like he was like one of my sleeper tight ends on the coming into the year. And I stuck with him for so long, thinking that he was just gonna do it. He never did. He just never did. Ah man, I mean he's a promising guy, but yeah, you you fell for the first name trick. You guys had the same first name, and you fell in love with him, just like I did with Trey Lance. <laughs> it could be. I mean, honestly, the other big thing for me, like. For for me with him too, like it was mo- it was a lot. It was Gerald Everett's gone, so now it's only Tyler Higby being the tight end for this offense, and it just didn't happen. Probably, and the reason for that is probably because Matthew Stafford came in. Matthew Stafford's never thrown to tight ends; he's always thrown to receivers. Ah, man, that's a good point. Honestly, I never really have known it, but it's something you don't think about until someone says it. You know, that's a pretty <laughs> good point. Okay, well, that, I mean, that pretty much wraps up that game for us there. Um, let's move on to the Patriots. They're playing in Miami against the Dolphins. Over under is forty points. The Patriots are six and a half point favorites. That seems kind of interesting at first look, honestly, but should be a competitive game for sure. It looks to be a low scoring game. Over under of forty points. Mac Mac Jones had three touchdowns last week. Let me say that again. Mac Jones had three touchdowns last week. <laughs> I would personally avoid him though. Because he's been inconsistent all year. Yeah, he had a good game last week. But Miami's been a strong defense that's been shutting down quarterbacks. And they have not allowed a quarterback to throw for more than 200 yards since week 11. Mac Jones ain't going to do it. You know, it's I just don't think he's going to do it. You think he's going to? No. No, I mean, I don't think I've said one time all year that you should start Mac Jones. So I'm not going to start in week 18. <laughs> Right next year, I got my eye on him though because he is his his quarterback rating and his efficiency efficiency is on point. If he oh can yeah, just he's he's slinging crazy around. Accurate. Yeah, so if he can just sling around and get them TDs, that's all he needs is those TDs. But <laughs> yeah, anyways, <laughs> yeah. So we're not starting Mac Jones this week, but uh, let's move on to the Russian game for the Patriots. Damian Harris has been limited in practice all week. 
He's currently listed as questionable, but they do expect him to play since he practiced all week. That's kind of like the fantasy um, consensus right now in the community is if you practice all week, you're going to play, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, and when it comes to like playing during the week, you could set out Wednesday and Thursday. If you had a limited practice in on Friday, you're probably playing. Uh, that's kind of just the way a lot of guys go. Because a lot of times those first two practices that you miss are to help you heal. And then they just want to make sure you can get a little bit of work in, you know, before the weekend. So if he practices, he's playing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and Damian Harris is a must start. He's almost like a guaranteed touchdown anytime he does play. It's kind of crazy. Especially recently, man. Like, he's been playing uh, better as of late than than he did at the beginning of the year. Uh, surprisingly enough, he's kind of become the workhorse back in this offense, uh, at least more so than I can ever remember another running back having for Bill Belichick since, like, LeGarrette Blunt was there. And that was only because there was nobody else. And before him, he just go all the way back to, like, Corey Dillon. <laughs> that's what I, literally, that's the person I was thinking of was Corey Dillon. But, yeah, LeGarrette Blunt is definitely a better, more recent answer <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, we both like Damian Harris. But if he is out, Ramondre Stevenson – He's the must start, right? I mean, he he's a very, very viable backup slash handcuff. He is, but I don't think he necessarily becomes must start. Because what we've seen is that when Harris is out, it becomes much more of a committee where Stevenson gets most of the looks, but you actually have a pretty decent amount of Brandon Bolden sprinkled in. Man, oh, Brandon Bolden, yeah. A little committee approach. But yeah, so if Damian Harris is there, he's a must start. But for Andre Stevenson starting, you think Brandon Bolden gets a little bit more work? I do. Um, so if Harris is out, I think Ramondre is a low-end flex play. Um, and if Harris plays, I don't think you even play Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Harris is a must start. If Stevenson is the the starting running back, he's a low-end play. Yeah, I'm with that all the way. What about the receivers, though? I mean, like I said, Mac Jones nope. is inconsistent and inconsistent quarterbacks, inconsistent <laughs> receivers. Yep. Yeah, you already know. No, I feel yeah, the same. No, no. <laughs> right on. Well, let's move on to the Miami side of the ball. Then we were big on Tua in this podcast, like the first half of the season, but he's been struggling the second half of the season. It's it's sad to see, man. And he ar- arguably had his worst career game last week. And New England's been number two against quarterbacks all year. I don't really expect that to change this week, uh, especially being a division game. Bill Belichick is just gonna he's gonna come he's gonna come hard. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 yeah, so we're not starting Tua for sure. And then Miami, they're they're still doing that whole running back committee thing, you know, with Duke Johnson, Miles Gaskin. They got Philip Lindsay hanging out back there. He doesn't really count though. <laughs> and would you take a chance on Duke Johnson or Miles Gaskin? New no. England is fifth against running backs. No, it's crazy. When Gaskin went down, I think I think it was because of COVID or whatever, and they brought in Johnson and they brought in Philip Lindsay. This became such a like strict committee backfield. You couldn't even like you couldn't start any of them in any league. You if you if you if you were playing any one of these guys, you have to be in one of the deepest leagues I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you. I'd be avoiding the shit out of these guys just because New England's so strong and the whole committee approach. And if I had to choose between the two, I'd choose Duke Johnson. Who would you choose? Um, Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could do that too. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, I don't want this backfield at all. I would choose, 
I would choose whoever the third string runner is in Green Bay over one of these guys. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. I won't press it any further then. Well, let's <laughs> talk about Waddle and Jasicki. I mean, Waddle struggled last week, but the whole offense struggled, so that kind of goes together. But he was putting up wide receiver numbers before wide receiver one numbers before that. And personally, he's the only person I would start on Miami against New England just because of his usage and um, he, he's proven that he's talented with the ball. How do you feel about that? Yo, completely agree. I mean, he's been amazing for most of this year. He's being overshadowed by, you know, the phenom Jamar Chase in terms of rookie receivers. Um, and that's not anything to, that's not Jalen Waddle's fault. That's the fact that Jim, Jamar Chase is, you know, already on like a Hall of Fame worthy uh, type of path here. So, I mean, Jalen Waddle, he's he's the receiver number one there. He's put up huge numbers. And even though he, his production wasn't great, he still got seven targets, which is like his lowest target share in like seven weeks. So don't worry about Jalen Waddle. Um, even in a tough matchup, he's still going to get his looks. And I would still play Jalen Waddle. Yep, I totally agree with you. Waddle, pretty much the only guy we're starting on this offense, right? Would you start Jasicki? I think his like, he struggles if Tua struggles. Unlike mm-hmm. Waddle, Waddle can still be productive if Tua is struggling. So I, I'm avoiding Jasicki while Tua is still kind of in the dumps. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, I believe I brought it up last week where in the last, I was like, I think it was like six or seven games, Mike Gusecki had been tied in number 18. Um, and he didn't do anything in this last week to make that any better. So it's just the Gusecki, you, at this point, you probably have to play him because tight end's so thin. But I mean, you're hoping he gets if he gets you seven, I'm I bet you you'd be happy with that. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like around where the uh, the the cutoff is for top twelve tight ends, right? It's around eight eight seven and a half points. We we um figured that out last week. So yeah, yeah he's definitely borderline startable. It sucks because he's so talented, man. But hopefully it'll be better for him next year. So yeah, we're avoiding Jasicki this weekend, unless um we're not really avoiding him. You just not expecting a great game out of him, basically. Low end starter for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps up that game. Let's move on to the Carolina Panthers. They're playing in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers over under 41 and a half points. Obviously, Tampa Bay is going to be the favorite. They're an eight point favorite right now. And Coach Rule said that Sam Darnold is going to be the starting quarterback this week. With that being said, are you willing to start anybody? Yeah, my Panthers. response to Sam Darnold being the starter is whoop-de-doo, Basil, because uh, who the fuck cares? This offense is terrible regardless who's at quarterback. Just if you see a Panther on your screen, get him off of your team. Like, I don't know why they're still there. Get him, get rid of them. You're done with all of them. If there's a Panther on your screen, you better be watching Jungle Book. That's the only <laughs> excuse. All right? That's the only excuse at this point in the season, dude. God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm totally with you. We're not starting nobody on the Panthers for sure. So let's talk about the Bucks then. Um, Ronald Jones was seen in a walking boot during Wednesday's practice, and um, today he was listed as out for the game. He's not playing this Sunday, and it looks like we'll get a mix of Kashawn Vaughn and Le'Veon Bell. Am I saying that wrong? Is it Keyshawn Vaughn or Kashawn? I think it's Keyshawn. I mean, it's spelled the same way as like Keyshawn Johnson. So, uh. Kind of well, Keyshawn was key K E Y. I just I'll just say I'm kind was of it? like I got my PhD in ebonics and um urban <laughs> things like that, not non white things. And my instincts tell me to say Kashan and not Keyshawn just from the spelling of it. But, anyways, 
So yeah, it looks like we'll get a mix of, of Kashawn Vaughn and Le'Veon Bell. And Kashawn Vaughn's averaging 6.7 yards per carry on 18 carries in the last three games. Yeah. But that includes Mr. his 55-yard run. <laughs> Just a quick question, Mr. Uh, degree in the Bonics. How come uh, Le'Veon became Lev in this in this document? Oh, I got got to save time, dude. You know, <laughs> Lev like, Bill. It's like, dude, it's like Kevin on the Office. You know, why why say a lot when less words do much or whatever? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 yeah, we're just using less words here, saving time, dude. We're saving time in the long run. <laughs> Anyways. What I was getting at is Kashawn Vaughn, yeah, he's got, he's got 6.7 yards per carry in the last three games, but it's only on 18 carries, and that includes his 55-yard run versus Carolina. You take out that 55-yard run, he has 17 carries for 64 yards. Very pedestrian. That being said, how do you feel about these guys? Um, I don't like them, either one of them. It's going to be one of those things, I bet you Le'Veon Bell, for whatever reason, actually gets more carries. Just a weird feeling I have on that. But you're not going to want either one of them to be in your line because neither one will really be able to produce um, anything because they're going to, again, like it's going to be a very close to 50-50 split. If one of them scores a touchdown and you have in your lineup, that's what's going to be your saving grace. But you can't bank on that. Right. Yeah, that'd be a tough one. But since the Bucks probably look to be up most of the game, looks like they might run the ball more. Um. Yeah, I mean, God, it's a toss-up between Vaughn and Bell. Honestly, I, if I had to choose between the two, I would start Gashawn Vaughn over Le'Veon Bell this week. That's just me. seems like you're leaning towards Le'Veon Bell over Vaughn, right? Just because he'll get more of the rushing work in your mind. Yeah. I mean, honestly, can we suit up Keyshawn Johnson and let him just play running back for one last game in Tampa and see how that works out? Oh, man. He's a guy like 50 years old. I'd rather see, you know, like... Yeah, but you know, he, he's, put on, he's put on some weight. He's, he's a little bit bigger. He can take the hits now. Oh, God. I'll bring out Cordero Patterson, okay? If you're not ready for the season-long work... No, I'm kidding. I guess it's not season-long work. It's one game. One game. <laughs> but yeah, that would be fun to see. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from the Kashans <laughs> and Keyshans. All right. Um, Mike, let's talk about the receivers. <laughs> Mike Evans practiced fully, and he should be good to go. Obviously, Antonio Brown's gone. You've probably gotten an earful, earful from the sports world. We're not even going to talk about Antonio Brown, honestly. It's like a waste of time, I feel like. Yeah, for um, sure. So, AB's out of the picture. Godwin's on IR. So, it looks like it's going to be Mike Evans starting with Tyler Johnson and Cyril Grayson as the two and threes. Grayson is the hotter name right now because he had eight targets, six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown last week. Most of that came from the game-winning drive, which some people would say that would take away from his stats i think it um gives more um credibility to what he did because during the most important drive of the game for whatever reason tom brady believed in him and was forcing the ball to him yeah see now i'm gonna say no because tom brady is also the king of exploiting matchups and in the final drive of the game they're gonna be in the hurry up offense it means that the defense can't sub there's not enough time, and they can only and there's only time to sub if the offense subs. But Tom Brady's not going to do that, so that means that whoever was guarding uh, Cyril Cyril Grayson or Cyril Grayson, I can't don't know. I think it's Cyril. Um, it was I a bad so. match for that person, and Tom Boy Tom Brady exploited it, took advantage of it. I don't see that happening again over the course of an entire an entire game. I think it was a single drive thing only because it was the better matchup. Cyril Grayson, um, I think I mentioned it last week or on the waiver app website, he's a LSU All-American track star. The dude's fast as hell. 
if he was getting a safety or a linebacker on him that entire final drive, yeah, he's going to show him up. So um, Grayson is not the guy I'm going with. I would go with Tyler Johnson just because he's been in the offense longer. I think overall has probably better rapport with Tom Brady, and he's receiver number two in this offense at this point. Yeah, you totally sold me. I'm, I'm totally in on Tyler Johnson, and I don't think those stats for Cyril Grayson are as impressive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> totally dismantled my thought process on that one. That was a pretty good explanation. I'm with it, though. That was a good one. So, yeah, we're rolling with Mike Evans, and you think, like, what, Tyler Johnson? I mean, geez. Tyler Johnson's James a fucking flex play. might be unfortunate. Even with I would say Tyler script, Johnson. Uh, what? I'm sorry, say again? Well, even with like the positive game script that's really likely to happen for the Buccaneers early lead, do oh. you still like him? Um, I don't love him. I think at best Tyler Johnson is a flex play. If for some reason this game becomes close, then it probably elevates him a little bit. But I would say Tyler Johnson, I would flex him this week. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep, definitely very borderline. And then uh, just to finish around this game out, we're talking about Gronk just because he went off uh, 10 targets, seven catches, 115 yards last week. I just wanted to bring him up because we've been talking about him and I was big on him before he started going off. He's a must start whenever he's healthy. Keep an eye on him next year, man. If he comes back and wants to play football, he he's a top five tight end, man. Like he, he'll get drafted in the first seven rounds if he's healthy and wants to play. Do you agree with me? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like when he does play, he, he produces. And like ever since he you know rejoined Tom in Tampa, and was out from the, you know, black hole of New England in terms of being able to have a personality. Uh, he's, you know, played well. I think that's, I mean, obviously injuries have always kind of been the Achilles heel to him. Um, and when he plays, he's dominant and injuries just stack up because he plays such a physical brand of football. Uh, but even put it this way, even with him missing one two, three, four. He missed six games this year and is still receiver number or tight end number 12. Dude is too money, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy he's still being so good this late in his career. I just wanted to bring that up just so you guys kind of have that in the back of your head for next season, man. If he's around, he is very, very useful. <laughs> yeah. Very useful. All right, well, that, that pretty much wraps up the Panthers and the Bucks, and we'll move on to our last matchup before we get into our starts of the week to end the episode. This kind of feels like a present to me, man. It's like our last real episode of the of the season, and we're talking about the Raiders game, man. Hey. Sunday night football. Los Angeles Chargers, they're playing in Vegas against the Raiders. Over-under 49.5. Hold up. That's the highest over-under of the, of the week, right? <laughs> I think the so. Highest we saw, yeah, the highest was 48, I believe. That's awesome, man. Wow, they really think they're going to be scoring some points. I like the faith in the Raiders, unless I think the Chargers are just going to fucking destroy them. But either way, over under 49.5 points. <laughs> Chargers are three-point favorites. Only three points. That's interesting. Three points flat, though, favorites for the Chargers. Um, Obviously, Austin Eckler is a must-start. Would you give Justin Jackson a chance, though, against this Las Vegas rush defense? This has been horrible. They've ranked bottom five most of the year against the rush. Last week, uh, Jackson had 15 total touches for six, 60 total yards with three catches, which is seven and a half points in half PPR. Decent, but not startable. What do you think? Um, I don't think so. Honestly, it's just one of those. I I think that was ma- mostly uh, you know a game st- script type of situation last week for him because I know 
yeah, it's just, it's so tough, man. Um, 60 yards. He had a great game when he got the start the week before. I just, I just can't do it. I, I just can't. I would say no. Yeah, I'm with you. Just because the game's going to be competitive, um, they'll probably use an Austin Eckler most of the most of the game just to ensure the fact that they're being as as competitive as they can be. So I'm with you on that one. And let's talk about the receivers. I mean, the Raiders' defense surprisingly be one one of the best defenses against receivers all year. They've been ra- ranked third all year against receivers, second in the last five weeks against receivers. So they've been killing it, locking down receivers. And earlier this year, when the Raiders played the Chargers, it was Week Four. They held Mike Williams to four targets, only one catch, 11 yards. And Keenan Allen had 11 targets, seven catches for 36 yards. That's pretty wild, right? Just totally shut those guys down in week four. So knowing that, would you start Keenan Allen or Mike Williams against the Raiders? I start Keenan Allen just because, like, even though his his targets and his catches were there, there just wasn't a whole lot of production behind them. Um, I would honestly write that off as more of an anomaly, just knowing who Keenan Allen is and the consistency he plays with year in, year out, week in, week out. Um, Mike Williams, on the other hand, though, I would not be playing. Keenan Allen is the guy that you're starting in this offense, in this passing game. Yep, pretty much that's how I feel word for word. Um, I like Keenan Allen. Do not like Mike Williams. Let's talk about Jared Cook, honestly. This is um, a lot of people probably wouldn't even think about him in this matchup. I really think he has a good chance to score points. He was activated from the COVID list, and he had his season best game when they played the Raiders in week four. Seven targets, six catches, 70 yards, and one touchdown. And Donald Parham, or Parham, whatever, however you say his last name, Parham, he's on the IR now. So it looks like Jared Cook should get most of the pass catching opportunities at tight end. And Las Vegas has been traditionally horrible against tight ends. I like Jared Cook this week. Does that make sense to you? I mean, are you liking him? Um, I don't love him just because like he's been super inconsistent. And over the last month, the Raiders have actually been really good against tight ends, only giving up eight points a game. Okay, yeah. See, I didn't look at the last month stats, but yeah. Um, honestly, I would start Jared it's, Cook over like Kyle Pitts. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's one of those, those weird things. So, like on the last four weeks, last month only eight points. If you go over the course of the season, which includes those last four weeks still, you know, their, uh, their average goes way the hell up there still, actually. It jumps all the way up to – where the hell did they go? I lost them. Well, I mean, they're, they're 27th all year against tight ends. There it is, yeah. And so I mean, yeah, they're saying, almost like, double. Yeah, so, I mean – that being said, they have been good as of late, but I mean, if they're shutting down the receivers, it's going to open things up for Jared Cook. I really like him. I, um, you'll, you'll hear about him here in a second. I really like Jared Cook. It sounds yeah. like you're kind of soul, but not really. Hopefully I can not, in a second. Not entirely. Um, it's just one of those things like, are you taking the Raiders against tight ends on the season or what they've been doing recently? You know, it's just one of those things. It's hard to say. Now what you, now what you can look at though, is that, in the last four games, specifically the last three games, they've played nobody at tight end. Like they've played the Colts, which have uh, Jack Doyle, who's Jack done basically Doyle. nothing. They have the Raider or the uh, Broncos, who have Noah Fan, who's done basically nothing. You have the Browns, who have a combination of David and Joku and Austin Hooper, who have been basically nothing. Then the game before that, they did have Travis Kelsey. You know, 
the best tight end in the league, really. But they did hold him to just four targets, three catches, and 27 yards. Ah, man, you're pooping all over my Jared Cook take. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, 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 I can see it. I still like Jared Cook this week. I'm a Raiders homer. I'm the local Raiders homer on this podcast. I've watched the Raiders get torched by tight ends year after year. And just knowing their linebacking core and the way they play defense, I just they're they're built to get beat by tight ends. So, yeah, yeah Ozzie, I like I'll, I'll tell you this. I would lean towards them playing or, you know, giving up points to Jared Cook, just knowing that other than Kelsey, they've played three really crappy tight end situations. And they just so happen to have stopped Kelsey, um, you know, when they did play. So I'm, I'm going to lean toward, towards that being the case and not so much uh, them being all of a sudden, you know, great against tight ends. Okay. I can see it. I can see it. Well, that, that pretty much wraps up the Chargers side of the ball. Let's move over to the Raiders side of the ball. Derek Carr has been struggling this last, you know, kind of half, half, last half of the season. We talked earlier in the season how he had like a 20 point floor that vanished pretty quickly. He's had some pretty bad games, but uh, since week 10, he hasn't thrown for multiple touchdowns since week 10. I would personally avoid him. And if and really, if you need more convincing, when they played in week four against the Chargers, he threw for under 200 yards. And that was before all the scandals with Henry Ruggs and losing John Gruden and all that kind of stuff back when things were normal for him. And he still threw for under 200 yards. So I would avoid Derek Carr. Wait, I thought the Raiders being in scandal is normal for them. Ah, yeah. Well, the NFL has their way. Don't don't get me into the conspiracies, man. But I I think it's interesting though, that the over-under is super high. I know he's been struggling lately, but does that kind of give you a little bit of inclination to think he's gonna be, uh, like have a decent performance, a start worthy performance. I mean, maybe. Um, I mean, the Chargers' defense hasn't been very good this year for most of the season, and the Raiders are I, honestly. I think both defenses are actually relatively inconsistent when it comes to being able to stop you know opposing offenses, no matter what you know through the air or on the ground. So, I mean, it's one of those things I could absolutely see see it being a high scoring game. I don't necessarily think it's going to be, but I think it has a chance. And if that's the case, if I'm streaming quarterbacks, then at least Carr gives me a chance of a of a high ceiling type of game. Yeah, definitely. He's a like a fringe starter, right? He's got the right possibility. Like, okay. like, would you do like Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? I'd do Derek Carr, dude. I'm a Raiders fan. I'd do him hard. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'll roll with Kirk Cousins for sure over over Derek Carr. Yeah, um, see, I mean, and they're Kirk both just safer. He's more consistent, right? It's just, I mean, and granted, I think everyone who's like listening needs to think about where your team's at. Like, if you're in the championship game this week, and let's say the team you're playing has been the number one team in the league all year, and they're killing people, right? And so maybe you need to take the risk on that high ceiling guy because I would say Derek Carr is a higher ceiling than. Uh, Kirk Cousins does, but Kirk Cousins has has the safer floor. Yeah, exactly. It, it, just an example of, of a situation kind of like that is I uh, was debating between Trey Lance and Dak Prescott during championship week, and I needed a big game because I was playing, my team was subpar, and the guy I was playing was, was on fire. So I was like, I need a lot of points. So I went with a high ceiling guy, Trey Lance, instead of Dak Prescott. Because Jack Prescott has a safer floor, but Trey Lance is more questionable with like the and he has a rushing ability, so I went with the higher ceiling. They both ended up with the same amount of points, but I see where you're going with that. Because if you need a 
swing for the fences, definitely take the guy that has the higher ceiling. Right. Okay. I'm with that. Well, let's talk about Josh Jacobs then. Um, he's been limited to practice all week with bruised ribs. It, he's questionable right now. If he misses the game, I would expect a combination of Peyton Barber and Jalen Richard. Peyton Barber did fill in nicely earlier in the season, if anyone remembers, and had a great game when Jacobs was out. But that was before Jalen Richard came back from IR. Jalen Richard is back now, and he's been on the team for years. They love him. They know what they have in him. So I think if Jacobs is out, it's going to be a total split backfield between Barber and Richard. Do you, yeah, do you feel the same? I do. So if Jacobs is out, you're avoiding the backfield. Um, there's just not somebody you can play. If Jacobs is in, and I know I said I was off the Jacob bandwagon like five weeks ago. I'm trying to stick strong to it, but God damn, the matchup is too good. The Chargers it suck is. against running backs. I mean, there, there's no other yeah, way, way to put it. Like, like they basically on the like lot, whether you put it into the last month for the season, they're giving up 27 points a game to running backs. That's just too good. And Josh Jacobs has actually shown a little bit of gumption the last week or so. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt to have another good game if he plays. I don't like it, though. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, yeah. if Josh Jacobs is playing, I'm definitely starting him. Just to make sure you don't jump off that Josh Jacobs bandwagon, though, I want to let everyone know like he's had a down year for sure, but they the Raiders are literally like dead last in run blocking grades. They haven't finished above 31st in any week in run blocking grades. Above 31st. They've literally been these 31st or 32nd all season. And despite having the worst run blocking offensive line in football, Josh Jacobs is still up there in broken tackles. He's just not getting a lot of opportunities. Well, shit, to he has to after be. he breaks a tackle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's still breaking tackles like he, like he was you know, last year. He's just not getting enough space to operate that he's used yeah. to, which is why his numbers are a little bit lower. So I wouldn't be... Next year, I'm not off of Jacobs. If they improve the offensive line, he'll be back. No, I'm not really off him off of him either. Like I just, I was so sick and tired of like him failing me earlier in the year. I was just done with it. But I mean, with that being said, he missed two games early in the year, and even with those two games, he's still RB twelve on the season. So that means he's this absolute starting running back. He's just a very frustrating one. Yep, exactly. And they finish out the offensive line, man. I mean, he's already top 12. It's just going to be even better. So, yeah, we like Josh Jacobs. And honestly, if Josh Jacobs is out, I, if I had to choose between Barber and Richard, I would go with Jalen Richard. But that's just me. It's going to be a total toss-up. No one really knows who's going to get the better looks in that uh, if Jacobs is out. Yeah. But um, Darren Waller finally activated from the COVID list. He was limited in practice. Um all week and he is listed questionable for the game right now with the injury that he's been out for a couple weeks with if he misses the game that makes um, foster moreau the starter we, we talked about him quite a few times in the last few weeks very touchdown dependent tight end foster moreau is so if waller's out i don't like foster moreau but if waller's in obviously a must start right yeah you have to i know and he's had kind of a down year too um compared to what we were expecting him to have but he, you have to throw him in. Um, I certainly would be a little worried about him producing just because he's missed five games in a row now. And so, like, the rust is probably going to be there. Um, so I'm worried about him, you know, coming in and being great. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the chance on him, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, you kind of have to. 
So yeah, Darren yeah. Waller, you're pretty much forced to play him if he does play. And Hunter Renfro is the only receiver we're starting on in this offense, right? Oh yeah. I mean, and that's been really been the case all year. So um, that should be a pretty easy decision. Yep, and I know Zay Jones did get 100 yards last week. Don't get fooled, people. I'm telling you, Raiders homer here. I'm telling you, they spread the ball around too much. I'm honestly surprised they're giving Renfro the ball so much, even though he's so damn good. They just can't help us spread the ball around. I'm sorry, who went? Did you say Zay Jones? Yeah, Zay Jones, yes. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, he had 100 yards last week for the Raiders, but it, it's, yeah. so, it's too inconsistent. Hunter Renfro is the only one you really want to start for the Raiders. Yeah, sorry, for some reason, I heard like Isaiah Jones. I was like, who the hell is that? Well, I guess that's his uh, birth certificate name, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably says Isaiah on his birth certificate. But yeah, either way, <laughs> call him out like his mom. Isaiah. Isaiah Godfrey Jones. Godfrey? I don't know. I just made it up. But anyways. <laughs> All right. So that, that, that pretty much wraps up our last matchup of the week. And our end of the season. Of our late games play. Yeah, last matchup of the season, man. That's crazy. 18 weeks. We've been out here grinding, man. Honestly, I can't believe it's been 18 weeks already. I feel like it was like four weeks. That's crazy, man. Four and a half months. Like, that went by fast. It does. Time flies when you're grinding, man, trying to get this fantasy (laughs) info out to the people. That's right. All right. Well, for you. Yeah, yeah. The episode's not over yet, though. Like always, we always end our start sit um, matchup episodes with our starts of the week. And we'll go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight ends, and then we'll end with my stinkies defenses of the week. But if you want to start us off bigger, be who's your quarterback start of the week? I'm going with Taysom Hill. Um, I know he's had a couple of dicey games as of late, but he's playing he's playing the Falcons. Atlanta is, is giving up on the season 20 points per game, which is a really high floor for defense giving up points. With Taysom Hill's running ability, I mean, I think he goes for 25 plus easy. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally with that. His, yeah, the rushing ability. We, we all basically agreed, right? Like a 20 point floor, but it's we've seen a little bit d- different. But yeah, I'm totally with you. He's he's set up for a smash up game for sure. I just made that term up. Smash up game. Smash up. It's a smash. It's a smash up matchup. So, <laughs> there yeah, it I, is. I like see? that one. <laughs> there My it is. quarterback start of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My quarterback start of the week is going to be Russell Wilson versus the Cardinals. And Russ did struggle against the Cardinals earlier in this year, but he's been great lately. Through He's thrown two-plus touchdowns in five of his last six games. And lately, Arizona's been struggling against quarterbacks in the, in the same, roughly the same stretch. In the last five weeks, they've allowed two-plus touchdowns in every game. So it kind of seems like Russell Wilson's guaranteed two-plus touchdowns. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what logic would have you think, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like to pick, honestly, you have to remember like when he struggled against Atlanta or Atlanta against Arizona a couple weeks ago, uh, that was only his second game back from the injury and he was still having a ton of ball control issues. Uh, it seems like a lot of those issues have, you know, been fixed. And so I expect him to have another good game. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yep. And I just want to bring up how the, the over-under was the second highest this week, you know, a 48 point over-under Vegas usually tends to be right. So this game should be like a divisional shootout. Rush should be getting his for sure. For sure. So who is going to be your uh, running back start of the week? I'm going with Dante Foreman. Um, I know it's a bit of a stretch at running back, especially this late in the year, but I just like what I saw from him last week. 
I mean, he fi- he really took control of the backfield. I don't believe the hype of Derrick Henry coming back in, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, and but as we've seen in you know Mike Vrabel's head coaching experience, he likes to have a bell cow back. He's not a committee guy, and I know that's easy to say when you have Derrick Henry, who's you know a Goliath against David's most weeks. But I think he still prefers to have that one guy he can rely on. And right now, that guy is Dante Foreman. So I expect him to have another big game. And the matchup is too good. Like we said earlier, the Texans are giving up 29, 30 points a game to running backs. That means that even if he doesn't get every carry from the backfield, he's still going to produce. I mean, Dante Foreman, he's an easy, easy top 10 play this week. Oh, yeah, I'm totally with you, especially since the Texans are so bad against running backs, like the worst team in the NFL right now. Um, I, I got a quick question. Is it Dante or is it Deonta? Like, D- Dante or Dante? Dude, uh, here, here's the problem. I had no idea. Uh, there's <laughs> there's Dante, there's Donta, uh, Deonte. Like, here's the problem. Like, I swear to God, I remember when he was at Texas, they called him Donta Foreman. I thought it was super weird because yeah, like, his name is spelled, it's D apostrophe O-N-T-A. The apostrophe makes you think it's like D-onte or D-onta if you want to be that way. But they were calling yeah. him Donta. I was like, bro, I was like, I, I can't keep track anymore. Honestly, the problem is no, in the NFL, none of these beat writers have the balls to ask him how to pronounce his name correctly. And so we'll never know. I'm just going to call him Dante. If I was a reporter, have him call me out. Hey, Dante. And then he'll correct me. But yeah, <laughs> okay. So yeah, when we got the Devontes, Deontes, all kinds of stuff. We should do an episode, honestly, on all the similar names in the in the league right now. I think it's interesting. But yeah, anyways, don't worry. I got. An- I'll do my. Right, another one coming. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. We got more Dantes and Donches and whatever. <laughs> so my running back start of the week is going to be Austin Eckler versus the Raiders. I'm turning on my Raiders this week, man. Eckler gashed the Raiders early this season for 28 fantasy points, and I think it's just going to be easily repeated. Like we were saying earlier, Las Vegas is great against receivers, but they are horrible against running backs, particularly pass-catching running backs. Who's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league? Austin Eckler. This is a match made in heaven for him. He's just bound to smash him up. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's a pretty easy call. Uh, Austin has been great all year. The matchup is too good, and as you said, like as we said at the beginning of the year too, uh, they wanted to use Austin Eckler like Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. That's where his offensive coordinator came from, and so and that's really what we've seen. He's the all-around running back. He's going to run. He's going to pass. He's going to block, or he's not going to pass. He's going to catch. Uh, maybe he'll throw a little bit here and there. Who knows? But he does, he does it all, and like they like to keep him on the field for you know ninety percent of the game. Right. I mean, it is kind of like a cheesy pick for me, but I just think it's so surefire that he's number one this week. I would like put money on it. He's going to be the number one fantasy running back this week. It's just like if you're doing DFS or anything like that, he is number one. See, there it is. And and also, that's what makes our starts of the week great. It's not somebody who's like you necessarily – it's somebody who you think is going to outperform even what the standard thinking is. So even though like most people will probably think he'll finish running back, you know, between like five and eight, Trey's got him number one. And that's what makes him the star yeah. of the week. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm like willing to put money on it. Austin Eckler is going to gash him up for sure. But, you know, anyways, enough of Austin Eckler. Uh, who's going to be your wide receiver start of the week? I'm going back to uh, the the Deontay, the Dontas, whatever. I'm going with Deontay Johnson 
receiver for Pittsburgh against the Ravens. Um, honestly, this start looked a little dicey as of yesterday because report came out that he was on the COVID list yesterday. He came off the COVID list today because of a false positive is what the uh, explanation is. So good for me and it's good for all of you fancy players still playing out there in Week 18 because, let's be honest, the Ravens' secondary sucks. The reason they suck is because they've had injuries run through them like crazy. I mean, they're starting all like third and fourth string guys at this point. And they're just leading to a ton of huge games against receivers. One of those games does include Deontay Johnson. Back in week 13, he had eight catches, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. I don't expect that to change much this this week against Baltimore. On this over the last month, Baltimore's giving up over 50 points per game to receivers. 50. And I noticed the entire Jeez. position. That's still a shit ton of points. That means that that Deontay Johnson's basically guaranteed 20 points this week, but I think he's going for 30. Oh, man. See, we're swinging for the fences this week. You think he'd be not wide receiver one this week? Oh, for sure. I mean, if he's, I'd say top three for sure, probably pushing for number one. I mean, it's hard to say, like, receivers can go for 35 points almost week in and week out, depending on the matchups. But I think he has a very damn good shot to be a receiver number one this week. Oh, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I like that one a lot. My wide receiver start of the week is going to be Amon Ross St. Brown versus the Green Bay Packers. I, it's honestly kind of crazy. I was looking at other people's rankings throughout the week and stuff like that, and people still are not really giving the guy the love that he deserves. He's too low on these lists, I think. The Egyptian God, he's been nothing short of his nickname. Nothing short of his nickname. In the last five games, he's had, a, like we said earlier, at least 11 targets, eight catches, and 70 yards a game, and he scored four times in those five games. I mean, he's just been on fire. Green Bay is expected to rest their starters, which includes their defensive starters, and they have some good uh, guys in their defensive uh, secondary. So I think it opens up for Amon Ross St. Brown. And like I said earlier, I think he's going to try to show out and um, just uh, show out because his brother's on the other sideline, Aquanimia St. Brown. So I think he's just going to go a little harder and have a great game this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, at this point, I think he's foolproof. I just, it's just, it's crazy. Five weeks in a row of the most consistent production, high-level production that you can possibly imagine. Um, the target shares there, the catches are there, yardage. It's all there. He's putting it all together. Um, it, it's amazing, and I love it. You know what his stat line reminds you of the last five games? There's just like the amount of usage, you know, because at least 11 targets every game, at least eight catches, at least 70 yards. This reminds me back when AB was on fire, back when there was Dude, that's so I was just, when you said... Yeah, I was just thinking that when you were like, you know who this reminds me of? And my first thought was Prime AB. Yeah, he was like the only receiver I can think of that was that consistent with that much usage and actually being productive with the usage mm-hmm. just undeniably every single week. It's kind of crazy we're comparing Amon Ross St. Brown to like a prime Antonio Brown, but man, I mean, that's what the numbers are indicating. Yeah. Just without the drama. <laughs> right? God, that makes me like Amon Ross so much more. Putting Putting some good dirt on the brown name you know that's right that's right all <laughs> <laughs> right on right on all right well uh who's your tight end start of the week all right so the tight ends i'm going with the guy who's slightly off the radar i don't think he gets a lot of love in fantasy life even though he's been pretty good all damn year um going with dalton schultz against the eagles um we've mentioned it earlier uh the eagles are terrible against tight ends they have been for most of the year uh, if you're not starting your tight ends against the Ravens, you're probably starting them against the Eagles. <laughs> um, 
It's just the, the easiest way to put it. And I know the Eagles have been good against receivers for, for the year, you know, number two, uh, I think, on the year or what, or what it was, or at least against last month. But they're dog shit against tight ends. The, there's no other way to put it. They're getting up over 18 points a game on the season. And in their first matchup earlier in this year, Schultz went for 23 points. And I think that should be the same expectations. I think you should see Schultz going for 20 points plus. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is probably a dumb question, but uh, so you like Dalton Schultz a lot more than Amari Cooper? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I almost think Dalton Schultz leads this team in receiving this week. Oh, he's definitely very capable of it. Definitely a good possibility of that happening. Yeah, I like him. Dalton Schultz has been good. Um, well, my tight end start of the week is going to be Jared Cook versus the Raiders. And like I kind of hinted earlier, um, Vegas is, should be shutting down the receivers, and that should open up opportunities for Cook. He had a great game against Vegas earlier in the year, seven catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Um, hopefully COVID didn't get him too bad. He just got activated off the COVID list, but I think he's just bound to have a good game against the Raiders. It's just... All the signs are pointing up for him this week. So I like Jared Cook. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I know we had a pretty big debate out early in the episode, so I'm not going to harp on it. Um, I think he could have a good game, and I th- I agree. I think I'm going to roll go with Las Vegas being bad against tight ends for the entire year, not based off of the subpar matchups or really the great matchups for the defense to, ha- to go against the last few weeks. So I think I'm going to roll with you on this one. Right on. I'm glad I got you on my side. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll we'll cap the episode off with our traditional whole um, Stinky's defenses of the week. I'm Stinky. It's kind of weird calling myself that, but um, <laughs> that's my nickname. So this is a yeah Stinky's defenses of the week is what we've been calling it all year. And really, I just there's some obvious matchups this week. Like you're going to start the Bills against the Jets. You're going to start the Patriots against the Dolphins. Patriots are the number one defense in fantasy, so that's just like obvious, anyways. And you're going to start the Colts against Jacksonville. And really, this week, just just look for anywhere where, like, a backup quarterback is going to be starting, you know? I mean, like, so Sam Darnold's playing the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are going to kill it, you know? Um, I mean, who else is playing, like, being backups this week that I can think of? What about of Cleveland's defense? Head? Cleveland's defense against Cincinnati. Oh, right, with them playing backups? Why? Well, I like Cincinnati's defense against Cleveland, for sure. Yeah, so you would play both defenses on in the that other matchup. Um, I don't really like Cleveland's against Cincinnati. It's just that—that's how little I think of the Browns. Honestly, I, I wouldn't start the Cleveland Browns defense against Cincinnati. I would start the Bengals defense though against the Browns easily. But the Brown, Browns could might not be a horrible play. But for some reason, I think the Bengals are still going to score a lot of points, even with their backups. They're just a—they're a solid team. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that pretty much rounds out my defenses of the week. I didn't go too hard on them because this week it just it's honestly it, it's pretty obvious. I think just find a backup quarterback and start that defense. And if not, um, just start a good defense like the Bills or the Patriots or the Colts. If you have them, you know. <laughs> hey, just just for shits and giggles, Lions defense against the backups of the Packers. Holy moly. <laughs> oh, man. I. Man. I want to say no, but just for if, if, you're, if you want to take a flyer, I would. 
I would just because they're playing the backups and the Lions. The Lions have something to play for. They want to win. They want to finish strong. Packers don't really give a shit. They have the first round by already. Right. So, okay. I mean, the Lions could Honestly, definitely I step thought... it up. And Dan Campbell, like, he's the motivator for sure, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you, you thought about that longer than I thought you would. I thought it would be a more immediate no, um, just because of, you know, the firepower that the that the Packers just come with offensively, um, regardless of who's starting. So I'm surprised a little bit. But, I mean, I I think I think he got a shot there. I think it's one of those, like, fuck them kind of plays if you don't have a better option. It, well, you know what convinced me to bring me back in to think about it more was because Jordan Love might be playing, and you know, you convinced me that he's dog shit. So, oh, well, he is. <laughs> Jordan I Love's in. He might throw some <laughs> interceptions. You know, maybe a pick maybe. six to them Lions. You know, hopefully they get that lion share this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that wraps up our Week 18 matchup episode for the late games. Uh, thank you very much for listening, man. I mean, if y'all been listening all season, we appreciate you. Uh, if you want to find us on our social media, we're on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Like I was saying in the beginning of the episode, this is a newer podcast, our first year doing it. We we plan on doing a lot of new stuff this next season and during the off season, upgrading our content and just coming out with better, high quality stuff, doing some video content, getting on YouTube. So if you stuck with us this far, we greatly appreciate you. And hopefully we won you some games, won you a championship, or if anything, just helped you figure out like just who to start on any certain matchup you know either way i appreciate you listening it, it's it's been a great journey so far big Irby, you got anything you want to say for sure i just want to say like how grateful we are uh to start to pick up the followers we did especially in the last few weeks uh we put out kind of a plea on twitter and you guys responded in a way we never could have imagined uh so we are super super grateful for that um our interactions with you guys have skyrocketed since then and it really really is amazing we hope that we can continue to give you guys great content um and we hope that that if you guys have any questions or honestly even suggestions give us you know if you guys have you know criticisms or just things something you think that could make us better and we're open arms in this like we're so new to this we're still figuring things out as we as we go we're kind of doing it on the fly and there's nothing better than than constructive criticism from the people that actually listen to us um and with that being said also if you have just questions about start sits dynasty stuff in the off season let us know we're gonna answer every single question we possibly get yeah that's a great point honestly and, and when he was saying that we're new we're like we're newer to the podcast game not the fantasy football game just in case you're wondering but yeah i mean if you got questions or even just advice anything like we're not a bunch of assholes if you like we're not gonna we're not gonna like be stuck on our pedestal you can convince us to not be sold on a player. I mean, we're open to anything, you know, we're open to information and, you know, we're just trying to communicate with the community and get the best content out there that we can, you know, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, we really appreciate it. Um, if you want to find out what we're doing in the off season, the easiest way probably be to follow us on Twitter at the FF father, at the FF fathers. Um, but if you don't have Twitter, you can just follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, um, pretty much anywhere you listen to a podcast. Just subscribe to us. And when we upload upload an episode, you'll get that content. Absolutely, guys. It was a great from us. It was a great 2021 season. We look forward to more, many more great seasons to come. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure we might be starting a league, hopefully with some fans, if we get enough interaction this offseason. So if you're trying to be in a league with the fantasy football fathers, 
pay attention, man. We'll put the info out there. But, you know, like we said, we, we appreciate you guys so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And I hope you all have a have a good off season. Talk to you soon. And uh, we'll catch you later. <laughs>